God has given us a promise about meeting. And he said, like I preached last Sunday, if you'll draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. If you will extend yourself toward me, I will come and be whatever you need me to be. Amen? Whatever you need me to be. The Bible tells us that everything that God does, He does by will and He does by purpose. And the Bible tells us that God is not a God who does things by fate or by chance, but He's a God who does things purposely. Look at the person beside you and say, you're a purpose. You're a purpose. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? That means that you are a child of God, created by God, born of God, blessed of God, touched of God, loved by God. Amen. And you are a person of purpose. There's a great verse over in Isaiah chapter 14, and it says this, this is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? What that tells us, if you have a modern English version, it probably says that whatever God wills to do, no power of darkness can withstand or that whatever God wills to do, that no spirit of darkness will ever deter what God has purposed. In other words, what God purposes, God does. And what purpose God has for us, God ensures that we can achieve that purpose. You know that verse that we all quote so well. It's in Romans 8, 28. You ought to know it well by now. All things. Oh, come on, you can beat that. All things, all things work together for good, not bad, but good. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. So God has a purpose for every one of us. And the Bible said that everything that's happening around us is happening for that purpose to be accomplished. That God would bring us to that outcome that he has for every one of us. Hey, some of you are so frustrated right now because you feel so manipulated by laws and restrictions and masks and six feet social distancing and meetings that can't have more than ten people, you know, the whole routine. And some are very frustrated by that. I understand. It's unprecedented. First time in my lifetime I've ever known it to be like it is now. First time in my whole life, and I've got some folks who are a little older than I am that are nodding their head first time in their life too, that they've ever seen things like they are right now. But I want to tell you God is not unaware and that God is not disassociated that God is not to own vacation or taking a break or snoozing. God is right here with us. He knew all about this whole pandemic, this whole situation did not just take him unaware. I say sometimes, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? 
He knows about it. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knows tomorrow. In fact, he inhabits eternity. Do you know what that, that means? That he inhabits eternity. And he says, from everlasting. Say everlasting. everlasting. From everlasting. Unto everlasting. A good word you would identify better with that is from infinity unto infinity. I am God. From everlasting unto everlasting, I am God. He had no beginning. He has no ending. He inhabits eternity. He has always been. In fact, he said, tell Pharaoh, Moses, I am is my name. I will always be. I have always been. He's in all my tomorrows. He's in all of my yesterdays. Ten million years from now, he will still be Lord of all. Ten million years behind us, he was Lord of all then. He's Lord of all now, and he's Lord of all in eternity. O thou that dwellest in eternity, thou that inhabitest eternity, so what that means is he's already there next week, next month. So he knows the outcome of everything. He knows what you're going through. And he knows no matter what the doctor's report says, he knows the outcome. That no matter what test you've had or what MRIs say, he knows the outcome. Because he's already there. Praise God. So what that tells me is that my God is in charge of the outcome. I am not in charge of the outcome. I can't control the outcome. And as long as I try to manipulate the outcome, I am frustrated in my faith walk with God. As long as I must continually control what I want to be the outcome, I will constantly be frustrated and constantly disappointed like a spoiled child who didn't get its way. You see, I don't love God because He gives me everything I want. I don't love God because He does everything I say. I don't love God because He is at my beck and call to do whatever my whims dictate and my desires are. I don't love Him because of what He does. I love Him because of who He is. And if you seek his hand, you're seeking the wrong thing. If you're seeking what he does, then you're looking for the wrong thing. But the day that you seek his face is the day that you will understand that he is an almighty and an all-powerful God who is greater than all deeds that can be done. And Lord, we worship you not because of all the mighty things that you have done, but because of who you are. Your almighty and sovereign God. And thank you for all the things you do. But I love you because of who you are. And I worship you because of who you are. This purposeful and intentional will of God lets us know that every one of us that are seated in this building have a plan of God for our life. All of us have a purpose of God 
for our life. 1 Timothy 2 and 9 says, We were called with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His eternal purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now let's try to get our minds around that. We aren't who we are because of what we do, but we're because of who Jesus is. And we are in Him and He is in us in such a way that the purpose, the intentional, planned, purposed will of God was for Christ Jesus to come into this world and to give us opportunity of eternal life through believing on Him, hallelujah, who gave Himself for us all. And that we through a relationship, a face to face, not a hands, but a face. In fact, he says, I want you to know me and I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. And that purpose was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So in other words, the Bible said from the foundation of the world, it was predetermined that Jesus should come and die for the lost. It was preordained, foreordained that Jesus should give himself for every one of us. We've scripturally established so many times that God has a plan for every one of us. Did God have a plan for you? Did God have a purpose for you? Yes. He had a purpose for Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, before you were ever a substance in your mother's womb, I knew you. Wow. Steve, does that mean God knew you before your birthday? Before you were a substance in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were conceived, I knew you. Boy, this must be some interesting stuff because you're sure looking at me with that, uh, can you believe that look? You mean God knew me before I was? You mean God knew me before my mom and daddy ever married? You mean God knew me? And not only did he know you, he had a planned purpose for you. For he said to Jeremiah, he said, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. Praise God. Well, wouldn't that be something? That God would say to Brandon, before your parents ever knew one another, I knew you. And I had a purpose for your life before you were ever you. Great, Lord. That's kind of hard to get your mind around it. Well, can anybody in this house say, I have walked in that purpose every day of my life? No, and I don't think anybody else could either because the Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That all of us have shortcomings and all of us have faults and failures and face it, all of us have sinned. 
He that saith he hath no sin deceiveth himself, and the truth is not in him. If we say that we have no sin, we make God a liar, and the truth is not in us. Our need of a Savior is universal. Everybody needs a Savior. Everybody needs Jesus. And the things that are going on in our world today are stressful. Can you say amen? amen. There's a lot of tension. A lot of tension. It is so tense. you got to be really, really careful about what you say because it can be misconstrued. You have to be very careful about others and not offending anybody, especially when you stand up here. But I'll tell you this, as long as you tell people what the Bible says, and as long as you quote the scriptures that God gives, then the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, Jesus said, will never, somebody say never, will never, ever pass away. So after all of us in this house have had our funeral, this word will still be God's anointed, established word. No matter how we handle it or no matter how we misconstrue, the fact remains, Jesus said, my words are truth, my words are spirit, and my words are life. Old folks used to say the truth will stand when the world is on fire. Well, that's true. When there is no world, that word will still stand because it's God's eternal word. So then God's job then is not my process. God's job is outcome. God has committed to us that he's going to get us there. God has committed to us by offering his son Jesus as the greatest sacrifice for sin. And he says, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the fountain of the water of life freely. God is doing everything he can to get us there. He's in charge of the outcome. And he knows my outcome better than I know my outcome. Now, what's my job then, Pastor? What is your job? Sitting there in that seat today looking at this preacher. What is my job? Process. God's job is the outcome. Your job is the process. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, you don't just haphazardly stumble into heaven. You don't just get a gift card and uh, go cash it in and suddenly say, well, okay, you can go in heaven. No, it's not a free pass. Jesus said it this way. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself daily and take up the cross and follow me. So heaven is not just a free ticket, huh? There is some cross-bearing. And Jesus said this, If any man comes after me and taketh not up his cross, then he's not worthy of me. Well, how then do we get to heaven? Well, it's a process. You enter into that process through an open door. His name is Jesus. I am the door. 
And if any man shall enter in by me, he shall be. Oh, you said it too quiet. He shall be saved. Saved. Is anybody saved in this house? Has anybody walked through the door? Has anybody experienced the deliverance? Has anybody experienced the freedom, the joy, the peace that comes with entering into the process? That process, I'd like to tell you, is a bed of roses. I'd like to tell you that that process is so easy. But Jesus said there's two ways. Jesus said there's two. There's options. There's two. There's two travelers. There's two gates. One gate is a straight gate. But the other gate is a broad gate. One way is a narrow way. The other way is broad way. One way has a few travelers. The other has many travelers. Both ways end at destinations. The narrow way with a straight gate and few traveling goes to eternal life. The broad one with many, many travelers goes to eternal destruction. Now that's Jesus preaching now. I'm not preaching that. I'm just telling you what Jesus preached. Jesus said those words. So according to Jesus, there's a lot more people going to destruction than they are going to heaven. In Isaiah chapter 35, Brother Paris the prophet said, There shall a way be there that no fool shall err therein. In other words, you won't just stumble into eternal life through Christ Jesus. It is a purposeful, intentional surrendering of one's will and life. It is accepting the lordship of the Lord Jesus to come into your life and rule and reign in your life. Is Jesus ruling in anybody's life here today? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Does Jesus sit upon the throne of your heart? Does Jesus rule the kingdoms of your life, family, home, business, marriage? Is he Lord of everything? Because the song says if he's not Lord of everything, then he's not Lord at all. So this process is all for me. It's called a walk, isn't it? My walk with God. We walk not by sight. We walk by, by faith. We walk in the Spirit that we might not fulfill the lust of our flesh. We walk in the light so that we can have fellowship one with another. Somebody say amen. That's good preaching. So this journey then, this walk that we're on, this straight way, straight gate, a narrow way that leads to eternal life. That's a process. And along that process, on that, that straight gate, narrow way, on that road to eternal life, the Bible said, know ye that in this walk called life, you will have tribulation. 
In other words, there's going to be some opposition. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some times of hurt. There will be some times of sorrow. There will be some times of injury. There will be some times of loss. And that's what we call life. And life is like that. It's a process. It's a process. And hopefully we're on the narrow and the straight gated path that will take us to the presence of God one day. Amen. So the process is not for God. The outcome is for God. But in the process... He tells me, call upon me. One of the great scriptures. I didn't give it to you, but the Holy Ghost just gave it to me. Psalm 50 and 14. Put it up on the board for me. I'll wait till you get it up there. It's worth waiting for. It starts out with offer. Offer. Offer thanks unto God. What does that mean? Praise Him. Worship Him. Honor Him with your life. Offer thanks unto God. And what's the next one? What does that mean? That means do right. I said, does that mean do right? Does that mean talk right? Does that mean let your word be your bond? Does that mean be truthful? Does that mean be honest? Pay your vows unto the most now, what are, what are we talking about process here? One is worshiping. Praise God. Is there any worshipers here? Any worshipers in the house? Have we got any? Worshipers. Offer thanks unto God. Did you come to church today to say, thank you, God? Did you sing those spiritual songs to say, thank you, God? Did you put those offerings in the offering plate to say, thank you, God? Did you come today to present yourself to the Lord, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God? Did you come today to offer thanks unto God? And then we'd go out these doors then to pay our vows and to do right. Offer thanks unto God and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Don't take it down yet. The next scripture says this. And call upon me in the day of trouble. Don't call on me now if you're not going to worship me and you're not going to praise me and you're not going to live right. Boy, this preacher's preaching today. Don't call on me now if you have this attitude that I'm a handle on a jug and you'll grab me when you want a drink. Don't call on me if you've got this idea that I'm a bellhop to bring you what you want to order. Call upon me. Pay your vows. Bless my name. Worship me. Lift up your voice. Bless the Lord at all times. Offer thanks unto God and pay your vows. And then call upon me in the day of trouble. 
In this process, folks, there's trouble. There's trouble along the way. Many, somebody say many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's not a bed of roses. It's a battle. Sometimes you got to put on the whole armor of God. Sometimes you got to take the breastplate of righteousness. Sometimes you got to take the sword of the Spirit. Sometimes you got to take the shield of faith and you got to step out there and fight. Sometimes the devil will hurl the fiery darts at you. And you got to raise up the shield of faith. Amen. Because it will quench the fiery darts. God said, call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon me in the day of affliction. Call upon me in the day of sickness. Call upon me in the day of financial distress. Call upon me and I will deliver you. What's God saying? He's saying, you take care of the process, and I'll take care of the outcome. Oh, you didn't get that. You take care of the process. You do the worshiping. You do the right things and live right. I'll take care of the outcome. I'll deliver you. Glory to God. Mm. Well, if we didn't have to maintain social distancing, there ought to be somebody in the aisle. Glory to God. Can you believe that? He'll take care of the outcome if you'll take care of the process. But the worst thing that can happen to us is that while we're in the process that we lose heart. And I've just come by here today to tell you, don't lose heart. Stand up and fight. Resist the devil. Speak to the enemy. Speak to the spirit of defeatism. Speak to the spirit of terror and fear and worry and anxiety. Speak to that spirit. And tell that spirit, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. I will not allow you to come near my dwelling no evil is going to come near my dwelling. I'll draw the line on you and tell you you can't come in here. Thou spirit of defeatism, thou spirit of fear and anxiety, I draw the line on you. You stop at my door. You can't come in my house. Take every thought captive. Brother, when something gets in your mind, starts telling you, ah, you're going to get that, you're going to die, you, you, you better be, you better not go here, you better not do that. Hey, you say, hold it, hold it, hold it. I arrest that thought in the name of Jesus. You can't control my thoughts, adversary. 
I'll control my thoughts. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Be renewed by the spirit of your mind, the thinking of your mind. Don't let your mind dwell on things like that. Put your mind on things that are good. The Lord is my helper. He that keeps me will neither slumber nor sleep. He's never failed me. He'll always come to my aid. He'll help me whatever I need. He'll do for me because he loves me. I said he loves me. And I'm his child. And he cares. He cares. He cares. You see, when Jesus left we're instructed to patiently wait for the Lord to come. That's so hard for us to do because patience is not something that we readily acquire in this fast food, computer-driven, give-it-to-me-now society that we're in. But when he went away, he gave some promises. He promised, number one, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. Go into all the world and preach, and I am with you. I will never leave you. I'm going to do another thing. Number two, he said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to send back the Holy Ghost. He, he's what they call a paraclete, a paracletos, the divine paracletos. He is the one who comes alongside of. That's what paraclete means, one who comes alongside of. What's he coming into this thing for, Pastor? Because in the process, when the trouble comes and when the storms come, when the affliction comes, I'm going to need a helper. I'm going to need somebody that will come alongside me and give me some strength and give me some courage and give me some fight-back mentality. I'm going to need a helper, a comforter who is the Holy Ghost. And he'll stand by me and strengthen me and help me in the process. Yeah, I'll take care of the outcome, but I'll also take care of the process because I'm going to give you a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and he'll help you in the process. He'll help you in the pandemic. He'll help you in the tension. He'll help you in the strife. He'll help you every way possible. Glory to God. I'm going to pray the Father. He'll send you the Holy Ghost. I'm going to make you another. I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going up there for where you're going to come up to. And when I get up there, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, here's your next promise, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Praise God, he's already got the outcome planned. He's already got the outcome purposed. He's already got the outcome fit. He's ready right now. The trumpet could sound today because he has purpose that he's coming back. And he's coming back just like he said he would. Well, hallelujah. Glory to God. So we live in expectancy. We're expecting the Lord to do what he purposed and what he said he would do. 
I want to take you to John 11 right now because something happens sometimes in our lives that's very similar to what happened in this family. Because, you know, I believe that what we need right now is a resurrection. Somebody asked me just about every day, Pastor, do you think we'll ever get back to normal? No. I don't think we will ever go back to the way it was January 1, 2020. I think this world is changing for good. I think you're seeing things that are happening right now that are happening because Jesus is coming back. I think this world is getting ready. I believe the kingdoms of this world are succumbing to the will of God and they don't even know what they're doing, but they're lining up just exactly with what God says is going to happen. We're primed and ready. I hear prophecy preachers preaching all the time telling me that this is just a trial run, that everything is just shaping up. This is to set the stage for what really is going to take place in the near future. Pastor, you're scaring me. I hope so. I hope I'd scare you into getting down to business with God. I hope I could scare you into getting serious about your relationship with God and not be such a mamby-pamby about your faith. That you're so busy watching everybody else and telling everybody else what their problem is that you won't sweep around your own door and won't get that telephone pole out of your eye while you're looking for a piece of sawdust in somebody else. Thank you. And it's going to be a sad, sad thing for you that day when he says, I don't even know you. Well, I went to church every Sunday. I don't know you. Come on, somebody. That process is very important. You can't be mundane and ordinary about that promise. You can't just flip your nose at God as if he's somebody that you can just insult any way you want to. Brother, you've got to get down to business with God. You can see on your screens every day, and I know you do, stuff that grieves the heart of God, stuff that is against his eternal purpose, stuff that is against he, who he is and what he does. And it ought to infuriate you that that kind of thing is going on. But when Jesus said this, when you see that happening, when you see that happen, when you see nation rising against nation, when you see earthquakes in divers places, when you see turbulence in the sea and the winds and the waves, he said, then lift up your head and rejoice because it's not here, it's up there. Lift your head and rejoice because your redemption is drawing nigh. Oh, God, help us to get our eyes off of the here and now and get our eyes upon the sky. For the Bible said, unto them that look for him. Somebody say amen. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Bible said, the Lord, direct our hearts into the patient waiting for Christ. 
Hallelujah. For when the Lord shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. One ordinary day just like this day, the Lord is going to split the eastern sky and the power of God's going to strike this earth. That cemetery is going to burst wide open and sleeping saints will come forth and we'll be caught away to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, 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 comfort one another with these words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was reclining with his disciples when someone came to him and said to him, a friend of yours is sick. It's in John 11, verse 1. A certain man was sick. His name was Lazarus. The Hebrew word was Lazarus. Lazarus. Do you know what Lazarus means? One whom God has helped. Any Lazaruses here today? You'll, you'll get it in just a minute. Lazarus means one whom God has helped. Are there any Lazaruses here today? Is there anybody here that can testify and say, I am one whom God has helped? Anybody? Has your dependence upon God to be your helper ever got sick? If you'll be honest, you'll nod your head this way and say, yes. Not a trick question. Has your confidence ever been shaken? Has there ever been things happen that caused you to scratch your head and kind of wonder, uh, well, wh where's God? What's, what's going on? Why did this happen to me? How, how, did, how, did, how did this occur? I, I didn't see this coming. Have you ever had your confidence in God, your faith in God, your hope in God, to kind of take a hit? A businessman here in town said to me this last week, his wife has cancer. She's pretty far advanced and she's suffering terribly. He's been a Christian a long, long time. But now there's a bitterness in his heart because he doesn't understand he's never known God in a way that you accept the will of God and you're submissive to that purpose and that plan that he has when you know him in that way then you're not manipulating him you see, sometimes we want to manipulate God and we embrace a faith. Sometimes we were taught, you know, that we could order God. If you had a faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
that you could say to this mountain, Be thou removed. And we were taught, you know, that if you had that kind of mountain-moving faith, that you could ask anything. But then we turn over to a book called James, and it says, be careful what you pray and ask for, because there is a possibility you may ask amiss. What does praying amiss mean? It means asking something that's not included in the purpose and plan. It's outside the plan. Come on, somebody. And because you're in the process, it becomes yours to trust. Trust God for the outcome. It may not be what you want, but it's according to His eternal purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. If it's part of that purpose, sometimes your, your confidence and your faith in God takes a hit. Have you ever prayed for anything and it didn't happen? And you kind of sat at church a few weeks with your lip poked out. Yeah, I hear that. Whatsoever things you ask in my name, I will do it. I know. You don't do it for me. Yeah, I know. I know. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver. I know, yeah, he won't deliver me. Sit around and mull around. What's happened? Your Lazarus just got sick. There are people sitting around churches some years and years and years with a sick Lazarus. Certain man named Lazarus got sick. He lived at Bethany. His two sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary that anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother that was sick. Therefore his sisters sent to the Lord Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, that sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha, and Jesus loved Mary, and Jesus loved Lazarus. Then why did he get sick? What they were doing, they were saying, Jesus! Come over here and do your healing thing. Now these personalities are all different. Mary, she's a worshiper. Boy, she just loves to worship. She loves to pour out her oil from her alabaster box, Lisa. She likes to take her alabaster box and pour that anointing on Jesus. She loves to wash his feet. She just loves to be in his presence. And when Jesus looked at Mary... He saw a worshiping. Now, Martha, she's right the other way. Martha's cooking and cleaning, and she's uh, going about the things at the house, and she shows you her love in another way. She does things for you to make you love her and know that she loves you. Kind of like we are here on this earth. 
We love people who love us. Might as well say amen. And we don't tend to love people who don't tend to love us. And we've got this convoluted idea about love that love just pours out all that affection on you and gives you everything you want and answers every question with a yes. And so we think we're loved and we love somebody if we do. And, and it, God's got a different kind of love. Listen, it said that Jesus loved Mary, Jesus loved Martha, and Jesus loved Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days more in the same place where he was. In fact, in the other translations, it says, so. When he heard that he was sick, so he abode two more days in that same place. Don't we hate it when God says, wait? Don't we hate it when our situation is dire and the Lord doesn't seem to do what we manipulate him to do? Lord, if you love me, get over here and heal him. You said you loved me. You said you loved my sister. Get over here and heal our brother. And Jesus, so Jesus waited two more days. You mean sometimes there are things in the process that God's not going to shortcut for you. There are some things that God wants you to get the full lesson, not just the cliff notes. He wants you to get the whole thing. Sometimes we want to just go through the cliff notes and use our little highlighter and get the subject of each paragraph. Been there. And tell God, all right, God, I've done what I'm supposed to do now. You do what you're supposed to do. God, listen to me, God will never be manipulated. God will never ever be manipulated. So he waited two more days. I thought you said you loved him. I do love him. That's why I waited two more days. Because I'm going to do something far greater than just heal him from the sickness. There's a whole lot of more people. And he said, you need to understand this because this was the week that he was going to the cross, you know. This was the week that he was going to be killed. This was the week that he was going to be put on a cross and his back beaten to a bloody pulp and a spear pierces his side and water and blood comes out. It's when he's going to pray to the Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He's teaching a lesson because a resurrection is so important. A resurrection is so much more powerful than a healing. So Mary runs ahead, the worshiper, when Jesus was coming, and she says, Lazarus is dead. You came too late. You didn't make it in time. 
And the reason Martha didn't run out here, out here to tell me the news with me is she's back at the house pouting. She's pouting. Don't run out your little lip at her because you've done it a lot of times yourself. Pouting. And when Jesus came in and saw Martha, you know what he said? Martha, I can see that you're troubled about many things. Troubled. And he said, is it easier for me to do a healing or is it easier for me to do a resurrection? Come on, somebody. Sometimes when God says no, you remember my bicycle story. Sometimes when God says no, it's because he's got something so much better. Sometimes when God says, no, I'm not going to do that, it's because he's got something so much better than that. So much better. And when Jesus stood at the tomb of that broken down confidence in God that had died, that man whom God has helped is dead, and they said, well, he's even stinking by now. Well, that's what uh, some of our sick confidence comes to. It gets to stinking, doesn't it? And Jesus made one comment. Lazarus, come forth. Carlos, I read in a commentary this morning, it said, if he had not said Lazarus, he would have raised the whole graveyard. Because death can't hold him. Death can't defeat him. I preach a sermon sometimes about the Lord of life in the chamber of death. Brother, when the Lord of life says to death, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Lazarus, come forth! And out of that tomb came a man wrapped in grave clothes, bound in bandages. Talk about a zombie. Brother Irwin, are you saying that my injured, limited, depleted confidence in God is like a zombie? Yeah. Yeah, stumbling around, struggling, limb falling off. Wow. He came out of that grave, and you know what Jesus said? Loose him! Loose him! And let him go! My Lord, when the grave can't hold you, it can't go hold your grave clothes either. Jesus said, get that mess off of him. He's not dead. Hey, I wish today that God could visit 520 Golden Springs Road and come in here and say, Lazarus! All of you whose confidence has been shaken, all of you whose confidence got sick and died, all of you that are pining away because you don't have trust and confidence in God, I'm saying to you, confidence, trust, joy, peace, come forth. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that dead place. Come out of that tomb and get those old clothes off. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. In my times of dark despair, 
when my heart is filled with care. There's a God who's been faithful to me when my strength was almost gone. When my heart had lost its song, still in love, God was faithful to me. Every word, every word, every word that He promised is true. What I thought was impossible, I've seen my God do. He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, His love and mercy I see many times, many times, many times I have questioned, even failed to believe that He's been faithful. Faithful to me. And he'll keep on being faithful because he who calleth you will do it. He's committed to you. If you'll just do the process, he'll take care of the outcome. He'll take care of the outcome. Could I pray a prayer with you this morning? Father God, I come to you for everyone in this building that have sat and heard the Word of God, that have heard a word spoken by a man whose desire is to represent God to these people. God, I ask you this morning that everyone that would leave here would leave here confident that my God can do anything, that my God is Lord of all, that my God has kept me thus far, and He'll continue to keep me. That God is my help. I will lift up mine eyes from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Sometimes my confidence in that help is not what it should be, God. But this morning in Your presence, after hearing this Word, I want to say to You that, God, I want to be a, a better person on that road, that narrow road. And I want to be a, a worshiper. And I want to be a, a person that puts personal purity as a, as a priority in my life because I want to meet you one day, Lord, at the end of this life. I want to stand before you, O Lord, and hear you say, well done. I want to be at that place, O Lord, when the crowns are received and the marriage supper is eaten. God, in Jesus' name, I want to be there. We just sang a song that says, will you meet me there? God, I pray that everybody in this room would make that comment, I'll be there. Look for me, for I will be there too. Touch us as we dismiss, O Lord, to go out into a pandemic-ridden world, go out into an atmosphere of tension and stress. But Lord, we know that you're the Lord of all and you're the God of all grace. And we dismiss in your care and your keeping. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.